It's time for the Islanders to be sellers. You can't give up the first goal in 11 of 12 games and expect to compete. They need to prove everyone wrong at this point, and good on them if they can. And I know some of you are doing spit takes right now. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 127. And hi, I'm your long-lost host, Andrew Gross. Please find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And this is the Sleepless in Seattle episode. I woke up at 3 a.m. New York time this morning to make a flight at JFK, landed in Seattle. After a six-hour flight, checked into the hotel, Ran right to the rink for what turned out to be a very optional practice. And by the way, Climate Pledge Arena lives up to its billing as a spectacular new facility. Cleverly redesigning the old key center where the Seattle Supersonics played. Uh, By leaving the roof intact, Cantor Cantor leaving it during construction, digging a giant hole and building a whole new arena underneath that roof. And I was told they dug the hole about 60 feet deep, and uh, you do enter at the upper bowl, much like you do at Dodger Stadium on the upper deck, as that's built into the ground. And there are scoreboards at each end, rather than centered over center ice, and unlike Barkley Center, it works there. And uh, one, one, one end of the building has a giant window with light, beaming through it. it. It's just a spectacular event. But uh, anyway, after practice, I came back to the hotel, wrote an article on Matthew Barzell's delayed Seattle homecoming. They were originally supposed to play here January 4th. Ran off to do some sightseeing on the Seattle Bainbridge Island Ferry. Got some sushi, which was outstanding. And now I'm back in the hotel room. Well, Sure, there'll be some sleep at some point, and uh, for the Islanders' sake, hopefully they won't sleepwalk through any more games. Yes, it's it's been a trying few weeks for the franchise as the playoffs have all but slipped away. The Islanders will start this five-game road trip 19 points out of a playoff spot, and with a month to go until the March 21st trade deadline... And as I've been writing, it, it's time for the Islanders to be sellers. But more of that later is I really want to give you, the fans, uh, the chance to speak out in this episode. I, I can feel the frustration that is built over the course of this disappointing season, which uh, we all know started with Stanley Cup or bust uh, expectations. And uh, I'll do an extended Andrews Answers segment um, I'm working on a guest for the next episode, so probably back to more of a regular format the next time around. Uh, but after just not being able to carve out time last week, I, I definitely wanted to get something out there to address the team's issues and, like I said, really uh, allow you fans to, to voice your frustrations. And Look, I, I, I know podcasts aren't TV or radio, but one of the tenets of broadcasts is to keep the viewer engaged long enough to satisfy all the advertisers, meaning don't tell the audience in the first period that their team has no shot at winning. Well, 
At the risk of driving listeners off, I'm going to uh, break that broadcasting rule and say the Islanders' playoff streak is almost certainly going to end at three seasons. Uh, that, that, to me, doesn't even seem to be going out on a limb at this point. Obviously, the Islanders aren't mathematically eliminated, but, but the way they lost their first game to the expansion Seattle crack in a 3-0 defeat at UBS Arena on February 2nd that stood as the Kraken's first ever shutout, the way they lost uh, in, in Buffalo 6-3 on February 15th, uh, the way they lost a 3-2 shootout to the Canadians at UBS Arena on Sunday, just tells me that the Islanders are not going to be flipping any proverbial switch this season. Uh, There are a myriad of reasons why this season has sort of gone bottoms up between the COVID outbreaks, the injuries, the postponements, uh, the weird schedules, too long on the road, too long at home, just too much time between games. Everything broke wrong for this team this season. But the bottom line is the Islanders have not played well enough. You can't give up the first goal in 11 of 12 games as they have going into this uh, road trip. And by the way, like I said, it's a tough road trip. You got the three California cities after playing the, the Kraken, and then you finish up in Denver where the Colorado Avalanche are a legit Stanley Cup contender. Um, you, you can't give up the first goal in 11 of 12 games and expect to compete. It's just so tough to come back game after game from an early deficit, and, and but 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 nothing has been good enough. The offense, the defense, uh, the the goaltending, uh, it just it hasn't been up to the standard that was needed uh, to compete on a on a consistent basis here. You know the Islanders still think they can get to that level, but uh, you know there's not much evidence. Um, and, and it really is up to the Islanders now, uh, you know, not to make a pun, but they are on an island. They need to prove everyone wrong at this point. And good on them if they can. But uh, I, I haven't seen anything to, to show me up to this point that, that they are going to turn it around here. Um, now, the question is, does the Islanders brass chalk this up to one of those seasons. You, you know the kind. Uh, Coach Barry Trotz keeps making mention uh, of the back-to-back deep playoff runs really taking something out of the team. And I don't discount that, though the Lightning, who have won back-to-back cups, really haven't had the same issue. To me, it's, it's more of a lack of being able to transport the puck cleanly up ice, and that leads to an inability to establish a forecheck or a cycle. There simply aren't enough finishers on this team or players with a, a, a shoot-first mentality. And uh, but, but before getting to your questions and comments, I, I just want to address two things, both regarding Barry Trotz. And look, I'm, I'm not a paid lawyer for Barry Trotz. I'm not his agent. He's a big boy. He can handle himself, and he certainly has faced fan criticism before coming to the Islanders, but uh, I I will admit I'm a little bit surprised. I know, again, it's a frustrating season and, uh, you know, blame, everyone looks to assign blame and I get that and I'm as guilty as the next person. 
But I do have a simple question. For everybody screaming for the Islanders to move on from Barry Trotz, who, who are you bringing in? And, and I'm not asking that to be confrontational. I, I'm legitimately asking, who do you think would be a better candidate than Barry Trotz? And look, it's just my opinion, but Barry Trotz has not become a bad coach because he's coaching a mediocre to a bad team. Uh, Barry Trotz is going to the Hall of Fame when his career ends. And uh, the arguments against Barry this season, as I gauge the comments I get from the fan base, are that Kiefer Bellows is not always in the lineup and that Josh Bailey's Dano Chara and Andy Green are always in the lineup, though Andy Green has been a healthy scratch of late in favor of Sebastian Ajo. And by the way, how, how did that look against the Canadians? Because Sebastian Ajo was a turnover machine in that game. Uh, Kyle Palmieri, who does have three goals in uh, the last three games, as he made his way back into the lineup. Uh, I know there's been some frustration with him staying in the lineup all through that first half when he only had one goal. I think it was uh, one goal in 29 games, and then he got injured. But, uh, you know, I know there's frustration there. And then probably the big one is Oliver Wallstrom not being on the top line. And I'm sure there are other grievances that have been aired, uh, but I don't think they are as major as the ones I've listened. And Barry Trotz has explained over and over again that he just doesn't believe... Wallstrom right now will be a fit with Matthew Barzell's game and Barzell as we like as we know likes to keep the puck on his stick probably more than Wallstrom is used to then there's also the issue of exposing Wallstrom defensively if he is on the top line and this has been the debate all season and here's where I stand once the Islanders formally wave the white flag on this season you know sometime by the trade deadline then it's a failure if Wallstrom doesn't get a look with Barzell before the end of the season, just to, you know, uh, kind of lay the foundation because, you know, going forward, you would think that's the end game. And I, I do think that is the end game. I really do. Um, I, I think they're approaching it methodically. Um, I also think Islander fans are going to look back you know, when there's less frustration with this season and, and you can view this season for what it was uh, with a little more of a, you know, less anger, less frustration, more analytically. Um, in retrospect, I think there will be more of an appreciation for the patience in the way Wallstrom has been handled, not giving him too much at once, not overwhelming him as he develops his game at the NHL level. I, to me, Oliver Wallstrom is going to be a, a fantastic NHL player. I think the Islanders are very, very lucky to have him in the system, and he is going to address some of their goal-scoring needs on a, on a much larger scale going forward. I believe all of that. I don't think his game is there quite yet. And, and you know, I, 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 I know a lot of you don't want to hear it, but I, I, I get where, where the, the brass is coming from, Trotz and Lou. I get where they're coming from in, in not trying to overwhelm him and, and not trying to set, set him back as they try and push him forward. Um, I, 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 I give you the example of 
Noah Dobson, who, who just basically served a two-year apprenticeship before becoming sort of a fully formed NHL defenseman this season. The process worked. And, and it's sort of the same deal with Kiefer Bellows, though Trotz has explained it more as a left-wing, right-wing situation where Bellows is much more comfortable on the left side. And then it's a matter of slotting Bellows in within that lineup if he's only going to play on the left. And uh, uh, the, the second item I'd like to bring up, and, and this also relates to, to Oliver Wallstrom, is I, I, I just... I, I wish all of you could have seen the interaction between Barry Trotz and Oliver Wallstrom at Monday's optional practice. It, it really would have immediately dispelled this kind of hard-held belief that Barry Trotz doesn't like the kid. Uh, Barry Trotz was not on the ice. It was an optional skate, um, but he was on the bench as Wallstrom was skating, you know, sort of watching what was going on. And, uh, uh, Barry beckoned uh, Oliver Wallstrom over, you know, with a, a friendly, hey, Wally, Wally. And uh, Wall- Wallstrom skated over to the bench, and, and the two of them engaged in a really long, very friendly conversation. Barry threw his arm over uh, Wallstrom. He was, uh, I believe, joking around with him. They chatted for a long time. I, I'm not going to pretend I could hear anything that was being said. All I can tell you is that Barry Trotz was beaming at Wallstrom like a proud father. And, and Wallstrom reciprocated the, the smiling and the beaming. Uh, you know, he, he was looking at Barry Trotz as, as a person he really, really trusts. That That's what I got out of that interaction. And, uh, I, all I can say is Barry Trotz does not have a vendetta going against Oliver Wallstrom. And, uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. Believe me, don't believe me, hate me for saying that. I, I, I'm sure it won't make everybody happy to hear that. And I get that. This has been a very frustrating season and one that has fallen far short of expectations. So, Trust me, I, I, I get all of that. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, just pump the brakes on the idea that Barry Trotz is going out of his way to destroy Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, that, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. And that, that will be all of me defending Barry Trotz because now, as I mentioned, I want to get to everything uh, that you guys replied to me via Twitter, uh, email, and uh, I, I just want to get your thoughts on this season and your comments. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And we'll start with Thomas Boyle, who, uh, who emailed me and said... Uh, do you see any big changes being made by the Islanders before the trade deadline? Changes uh, by changes, I mean waivers, someone getting fired, or a long tenured Islanders player uh, getting moved. And uh, you know, long tenured Islanders player getting moved uh, that certainly fits Cal Clutterbuck. Uh, there's the description of Cal. Uh, Clutter is an unrestricted free agent uh, coming up and. There certainly seems to be a lot of interest, or I, I would expect there to be a lot of interest uh, in Cal because he'll he'll be a perfect fit for a playoff bound team. 
and I've said this, and I saw Larry Brooks uh, wrote this, uh, the, I think it was today or yesterday, um, you know, that, that Cal would be a perfect fit with the Rangers, and I know some of you are doing spit takes right now, and I, I, that's what I've been saying. I, I, I think Cal is sort of what the Rangers are looking for in their playoff run, but I, I, I also... And Larry wrote this, and I agree, and I've said this, is uh, there's no chance that Lou and Chris Drury get together on a deal there. But, you know, uh, the Avalanche GM, Joe Sackick, was at UBS Arena on Sunday for the the, the Islanders-Canadians game. And, uh, you know, I, I think everyone thought that perhaps uh, Joe Sackick, you know, as every... GM of a, a Stanley Cup contender does at this point. You're looking for defense depth. I don't care how many defensemen you have. You're always looking for defense depth. And, uh, you know, I think the expectation was Joe Sackick was at UBS. Uh, I know the Canadians might move on from uh, a couple of their defensemen. So Joe was probably taking a look at that. But could he be looking at Cal Clutterbuck too? I, I certainly... Cal would fit in very nicely with that Colorado uh, lineup, which is just so, so talented. But you can always find room for a Cal Clutterbuck in your, in your playoff lineup. But I, I certainly expect uh, Cal to be on the move here. As I quickly scan, there are a lot of people asking these questions, so I'm not going to you know, go through everything uh, on your question, Thomas. Uh, I, but if you're asking for a long-tenured Islanders player, yeah, I think Cal Clutterbuck fits that bill. Um, as far as other changes, uh, waivers, you know, to, to, to waive someone, you, you really have to have someone you're thinking of bringing in. And there's really not much down at Bridgeport that I think you're going to plug and play with right now. So, you know, waiving people... Uh, does not necessarily, uh, I don't know how that helps you. And as far as firing someone, um, I, I, I don't see anyone being fired in season. I, I, I really don't. And uh, <laughs> I am in Seattle. Walter Barker says, can you grab a Starbucks? Um, for you or for me? Because uh, I'm, not, I'm not taking a Starbucks to San Jose, Los Angeles, Anaheim, Denver, and then delivering it to you when I finally do get back to Long Island. So, uh, and you know what? Um, not to be anti-Starbucks, but there, there, there's cheaper coffee elsewhere. Like, for instance, in the hotel uh, lounge where I can just uh, brew a cup of decaf. Uh, let's see. Uh, Matt, professional contrarian or not, says... Anthony Beauvillier taking time on the fourth line and the clutter, Cal Clutterbuck speculation. What would you see as possible dance partners for him? Uh, what, who would we get back? Um, and, you know, I mentioned a couple of uh, teams that might be interested in Cal Clutterbuck. I, I certainly, you know, you go up and down uh, the playoff teams and uh, everyone could could round out their bottom six, really, uh, get a little more grit going. But uh, if the Avalanche were in town, I mean, there there have been a, a bunch of uh, scouts. Uh, the, the Bruins have been scouting, and uh, uh, 
Uh, let's see. I'm trying to off the top of my head. Other teams that have been scouting um, have sent scouts lately. Uh, the Rangers have had a, a scout at, at Islander games as well. So um, what or who would we get back? If you're talking about Cal Clutterbuck, I, I think you're, because he's going to be a trade rental, you're probably looking at draft picks. Now, my, my initial inclination was, you know, a third or a fourth round pick, maybe a third and a fourth round pick. Uh, that might be a lot, but uh, that's what I was thinking initially. If there's a lot of demand for clutter, maybe you, you, you somehow get a second round pick for him. Um, but we'll see. Um, let's see. How many more losses until the season is over? Well, I, I mean, you know, not trying to be funny, but there's what? There's, uh, uh, I'm awful at math. So there's about 37 games left, uh, uh, 36, 37 games. I think it's 37 games left. How many more losses until the season is over? Boy, you know, I, I think it's how many wins do they need to even have a chance? I mean, you're, you're talking out of 37 games. They have to win, you know, 25 or 26 maybe 27 to have a legitimate chance of uh, really, you know, getting a playoff spot. And do you see this team going 27 and 10 down the stretch? I, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Um, let's see. Kurt Green says, it seems it's a matter of time before the retooling starts. Do you think Lou could trade Brock Nelson in the right deal in the offseason? If his scoring pace continues a 30-goal scoring second-line uh, second center would be attractive and a time to sell high and get cap flexibility going forward. And he, here's my thought on that. It's sort of twofold yes and no. Um, I, I actually like the way you're thinking, uh, Kurt. I, I think that's kind of outside the box. And, you know, if they decide to move on from Brock Nelson, I think a lot of teams would would line up for him. Uh, you could really, you know, uh, a team would have to be able to fit his contract in, uh, so you might have to take something back in terms of money. Um, but, you know, I, I, that being said, and it's sort of like my Barry Trotz question, if you're sending Brock Nelson out, who, who are you bringing in as a center? Um it doesn't really seem, you know, I, I, I don't know Aturati, you know, Simon Holmstrom. Who do you have at Bridgeport that you can plug and play? And, uh, you know, maybe you, you can knock Pajot up to the second line, go the free agent route and get a, a cheaper uh, third line center. Uh, Casey Sezikis is going to be here for a while. Uh, it would significantly not make your team better uh, to trade Nelson, but you're right. Uh, you could gain some cap flexibility and turn that around and, you know, maybe uh, spend that capital on a, a, on a scoring wing. Um, let's see, Rob Taub, uh, fan or not, would you consider Bruce Springsteen overrated? <laughs> um, boy, I, I feel like 
you know, no matter what I say here, it will elicit groans, you know, because I know there's a, a big contingent of people who do find Bruce Springsteen overrated, and then there are a ton of people who swear by them. I, I will, I'll say this, I, I'm not a, a, a you know, I, I appreciate what Bruce Springsteen does. I've actually never gone to see him in, in concert, although I hear he puts on a great show. He, he's never necessarily been my, my, my cup of tea or whatever arcane statement you want to say. He's, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan, although I get why people are, um, would I, but, but that's different than considering him overrated because I, I, he, he's a, you know, he's a fantastic musician. Um, and, and he's written some of, you know, the most iconic music, uh, of, you know, really since 1975 or so, uh, moving forward. But, uh, you know, just, uh, I, I go a different direction in my concert going and my, my listening. Um, Let's see, uh, Brian G. says, at this point, all of the unrestricted free agents should be traded, right? If Clutterbuck wants to resign in the summer, it's an option. You know, you always hear that, and then how often do you see a UFA actually come back and resign after being traded? Uh, it's very rare. I think if Cal Clutterbuck is traded, that's that's the end of his Islanders career. Um, look, I, I think... You know, if Lou can get a deal for all the UFAs, and that's also his Dano Chara, Andy Green, and Zach Parisi, I, I think Lou is certainly willing to listen. I, I'm just not sure how much interest there really is going to be. Uh, you know, maybe Zach Parisi um, uh, garners some interest out there. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I know for a fact that, you know, I, I don't think he really wants to be traded. Um, I, I don't know what kind of interest there, there might be in his Dano Chara as, you know, and, and again, Hall of Fame player, um, just, you know, uh, and, and he still, you know, he has his good games and, and he's a physical force. And you, you hear all the stories about him as a teammate, and it's sort of that Leo Komarov thing. He's a glue guy in the room. Um, but I, I don't know how much interest, trade in, interest there would be. Again, you know, I know teams are always looking for defense depth. Would he be, you know, he, he wouldn't be the worst option as a seventh or eighth defenseman for a playoff team. Um, and, and probably the same thing could be said of Andy Green. But uh, I, I don't think the return on either one of them would be, you know, really move the, the meter there. Um, let's see. Smart Wilson says, go young, get what we can for the above-mentioned veterans and let the kids, Wallstrom, Barzell, Bo, have a go. Suffering Jim says, who's calling the game? And uh, Seattle... Uh, at Seattle on Tuesday is one of those ESPN Plus Hulu games. And uh, I, I did check on this, and you have the announcing team of uh, uh, Leah Hextall and Dominic Moore and Linda Cohn um, will be your announcers uh, for Islanders Kraken. Um, P. Williams says, have to start thinking long-term who follows Lou beside his son? Does that influence Barry staying? 
Well, here's the thing. I, I, I am of the belief that whenever Lou does decide that he is no longer interested in being the general manager, I, I do think Chris Lamarillo is the uh, odds-on favorite uh, to, to, to take over. Um, as far as that influencing Barry staying or not, a decision on Barry, as I've been saying, has to be made this off season. Um, uh, you know, he's going into the final season of his deal. Uh, if you're going to get an extension with Barry, this is the off season to do it. I think Lou is going to be at the forefront of those discussions. And I'll be honest with you. I, I I'm not, I'm, I don't think that, you know, this is Lou's last year as a general manager. I mean, you know, I'm just, when, when you're around the guy, he has more energy than anyone, you know, and, and he, he loves this so much um, that I, I, I don't necessarily think, you know, he's ready to give up his GM duties unless it maybe is a situation where he's the team president and Chris Lamarillo is the GM. But I, for, for whatever reason, I, I don't get the feeling that this offseason is, is the time for that transition. Um... Mike, I'm going to get your last name wrong, Vasilikos. Sorry about that, Mike. Um, how likely is it that Lou runs it back with a very similar team next year, assuming this year may be just an aberration? And, you know, whether Lou decides this is an aberration or not, um, I think it's going to be a similar team next year just because you have a lot of contracts. and You're not going to be able to... Even if you wanted to move them all, you can't move them all. You got Anders Lee on a long-term deal. Josh Bailey still has years left. Casey Sezikis has got five more years left. Pajot's got time. Uh, uh, Kyle Palmieri certainly has time. Uh, Pelik, Pulak, um, you know, they, they, they have long-term deals. Uh, as I've been saying... The, the core of this team, Brock Nelson, and we discussed him before. Um, I'm not saying that maybe, you know, one one of those guys, maybe two of those guys possibly could be traded. But I think for the most part, you, you're going to run it back with the same core group just because of the contracts. Um, and then you're going to try and improve in the margins and... Uh, you know, maybe, you know, I keep bringing this up, but, you know, are you willing to part with an Anthony Beauvillier and a, a Scott Mayfield maybe um, to, to bring in, you know, to, to change it up a little bit? Um, I, you know, I, I don't discount that Lou does something like that. Um, Andre Minasian says, Andrew, shouldn't Lou address the state of the team and the direction he wants to take? Uh, I know he is as discreet as anyone, but loyal fans who are invested a lot into the team have a right to know. Uh, I wonder if ownership has asked Lou about the possibility of giving up GMD duties to remain president. And look, if Lou's running the team, um, Lou's running the team, and it doesn't really matter what his title is, um, Lou's running the team. And, and that's why, you know, just... So there's no confusion. That's why he's president and GM. And, and I don't necessarily see, you know, him giving up GM just to be president because it would still be the same thing. He'd still be running the team. Um, uh, 
let's see. Shouldn't Lou address the state of the team? If you mean talking to the media, yeah, I would like uh, to talk to Lou on the record. Um, you know, we, I, we, we've asked. Um, and uh, Lou will... I, I, you know what, Lou... Lou doesn't hide from the media. He just... He is... Most of his media conferences or Zoom conferences this year, uh, he was doing the COVID updates. Uh, he did the, a lot of those through uh, November into December. So, no, he hasn't talked um, talked for, for a bit here uh, to the group. I suspect he will. Um, Lou's good about that going into the trade deadline. He usually gives us some time and, uh, you know, and he'll certainly be asked for. But yeah, no, I, I think Lou should be talking to the media. I also think he will be. Um, Mike says, one, why does Barry refuse to put Wallstrom on line one? Two, why does Barry refuse to bench Bailey so Bellows and Wallstrom can play every day? Three, when will Barry play Sallow again? One, um, I, I think, you know, I, I talked a lot about Wallstrom before we got to the answers, um, you know, uh, and we've been talking about that uh, in other episodes. Why does Barry refuse to bench Bailey um, so Bellows and Wallstrom can play every day? Um you know, Josh. Josh has had his issues with uh, turnovers, and for some reason, he seems to be shot adverse, uh, averse at, at times. Um, as far as benching him, though, uh, you know, and, and again, answers that you don't want to hear. But you know, Barry always talks about the hockey IQ, and he's not necessarily talking about shooting or passing. Uh, he, he's talking more about you know, making little plays along the wall. I, I again, you know, I'm just the messenger there. I, I do see some of the turnovers, and and, and sometimes when Bailey is is, is not back uh, in, in position defensively, um, I, I, I I I I honestly don't know how close Barry has gotten to consider benching Bailey. I, I, I really don't. Um, as far as Sallow is concerned, um, you know, Barry will play Sallow again when Sallow is brought up from Bridgeport, and that's more of a Lou decision than a Barry decision. Um, but, you know, I, I, I get the sense that Robin Sallow will be back up in the NHL before the end of the season. Um, whether the Islanders trade a defenseman or, or you know, there's a, a, an injury or they, you know, again, they, they decide they're out of it and they want to get him some, uh, some playing time because I think Robin Sallow is going to be certainly part of the top six next season. Um, Let's see. Um, Bill NY fan sixty six says, "Would you consider Josh Bailey and Kyle Palmieri almost untradeable due to their contracts length and or cost? <sighs> almost untradeable at this moment, yeah. But that that can change. I mean, you know, if Kyle Palmieri 
goes on, I don't think it's going to happen this season. I don't think anyone would take on uh, another three seasons at $5 million right now. But, you know, if Kyle kind of gets it turned around next season, I, I could see having that conversation going into next year's trade deadline. Um, as far as Josh Bailey, um, you know, there's respect for Josh Bailey around the league. There really is. Um, and I, I could see some organizations being intrigued by him. But again, the, the, the cost and the length, uh, it's, it's a little much right now. I, I would think it would be hard to trade Josh Bailey. Um, oh, here's a nice one. M. Tash just says, hey, at, at a gross Newsday, I appreciate you. Just thought you should know. And, well, I appreciate you, M. Tash, for saying that. Thank you so much. Um, Clarence Screaming Buffalo Swamp Town, who, as we know, is not a big Josh Bailey fan, uh, says... Can Lou extend Josh Bailey for another six to ten years? Obviously, they don't see anything wrong. Might as well keep him as long as we can. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Clarence screaming Buffalo Swamp Town is, like I say, not a big Josh Bailey fan. Uh, you can count on probably two or three comments from him uh, over the course of the game about Josh Bailey. Um, Ranzer says Islanders trade news and uh, two things. One, as we know, Lou is kind of secretive and and the trades sort of uh, come up and smack us in the face a little bit unexpected. It's going to be a little bit different this year uh, just because I think, you know, the Islanders are going to be sellers instead of buyers. Um, as soon as Lou hears, you know, it feels like he's got the best deal for someone, I, I think I think he's going to make the trade. So, you know, I, I, that could be any time, literally any time now, uh, between over this next month. You know, he could be making two or three trades to get some guys out of here. I, I really believe that. Um Richie L. also says, uh, shouldn't the general manager of this massively disappointing team address the media and the fan base? Yes, and and like I said, uh, I I believe he will soon enough. Um, Let's see, Andrew Anthony says, sorry, you had to fly all the way to the West Coast to see this dumpster fire. Well, two things. One, you know, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I cover this team, so, you know, I, I'm just thrilled to go wherever they go. I mean, you know, uh, obviously, you know, uh, fans all want to see a winning team. And, you know, teams are more fun to be around when they're winning. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not complaining one bit. You know, I love my job. I, I've said that, I think, a million billion times. I love my job. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to, you know, I'm thrilled that Newsday is having me on the road again after a season last season where I didn't travel with the team uh, really for the first time since I started covering the NHL and uh, uh, not until the playoffs. So, I, I, you know, I'm not taking this for granted. I appreciate every city I go to and every game I get to see. Um uh, Johnny Pajamas says, uh, are the Islanders really just putting Chara in the lineup for his games record? Salo should be playing, and you know it. And uh, 
Well, I think we're going to find that out by the end of the week because uh, Chara is going to uh, tie Chris Chelios's record for games played by an NHL defenseman <clears throat> um, Tuesday night in Seattle. That will be 1,651. And then uh, San Jose on Thursday will be breaking the record, you know, provided that Zdeno, knock on wood, stays healthy. You, you don't wish any ill will on anyone. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Barry's been, um, you know, saying that guys need rest. I mean, he's resting Andy Green right now. We're, you know, out of the lineup because he didn't like Andy's last game. And uh, proof will be in the pudding whether or not Chara you know, sits after the record is broken. Um, and and again, I, I think, you know, we talked about Robin Sallow. I do believe uh, he will be up. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, New York Islanders fan responding to Johnny Pajamas, and I'll pass it along. Um, regarding, uh, let's see, after watching last night's game, uh, that would be the Canadians game, I think Ajo needs to be sent down. He had way too many giveaways last night. I do think Sallow needs to be in the lineup, but I would rather see Green over Ajo or Chara. Um, let's see. I'm going to read this as delicately as possible because I, I, I just don't want to offend anyone uh, who lost a loved one. Um, but... Uh, Let's see, Iceman192231 just basically asks, is UBS Arena cursed? Nothing has gone right since they moved there. Um, <laughs> in a way, you can point to UBS Arena because it wasn't ready until November 20th, which started this whole cycle with them starting the season with the 13-game road trip. But is it a cursed arena? I, You know... I I don't believe in that stuff. I, I just think this has been a really, really rough season. And look, you know, the, the Islanders, you know, it's probably hard to hear right now. I, I do believe this will be a good team again. And there are going to be good days at UBS Arena. Um, this season has just, you know, Hasn't gone the way everyone thought it would be. And so back to the questions we go uh, with Jack Anton, uh, who says, let's assume the Islanders shed at least one of Varlamov, Bailey, and Palmieri. And of those three, I would say Varlamov is the one who could be traded. He's got one year left at $5 million. Um that would give the Islanders over $17 million in cap space. Does Lou Lamarillo go big game hunting this summer to land a top-scoring, unrestricted free agent like Johnny Gaudreau or Philip Forsberg? And uh, my response to that would be, yeah, yeah, the Islanders are going to be big game hunters. Uh, that, that's why they built this arena. It's not the only reason they built the arena, obviously, but, you know, the, the franchise is going to make more money playing at UBS Arena than Nassau Coliseum, but they're, they're making no bones. John Ledecky makes no bones about the fact that they, 
the, the facilities, the, the workout rooms, the uh, you know the dining areas, everything about UBS Arena was built uh, in terms of player facilities to attract free agents. John Ledecky has been on record several times saying that, and the same goes for their practice facility at Northwell Health Ice Center in Ice in East Meadow. That yeah. Uh, they are looking to attract free agents, and these aren't the old Islanders. The The Islanders are going to be an attractive team to some of these big-name free agents uh, because of the facilities now. So, you know, if the Islanders have the cap space, yes, Lou Lamorello absolutely goes big-game hunting. Um, let's see... Will NY says, uh, it's been obvious for a long time this team is starved for offense and creativity. This year proves the back end is missing the right pieces. What will Lou Lamarillo prioritize this coming deadline, knowing every other GM knows this as well? Well, like I said, I, I don't think Lou is going to be overpaying here to bring pieces in at this deadline. I, I think this is a time to shed some pieces and to to do more of your work in the off season. Uh Jack and I'm going to mispronounce your last name uh Matesic. Uh Jack says what do you think the Islanders do with the trade deadline buy or sell or neither? Uh, and neither is an interesting uh uh option. It's sort of option C. I I think that would be a mistake. Um, as, as I do buying, I think, I think the Islanders have clearly positioned themselves as a seller. Um, see, uh, M says, do you think Matthew Barzell will leave if they don't get somebody to play, um, with him? Lee ain't the answer too slow. Matt, Matt actually does like playing with Anders Lee, um, but yeah, I, I, I do think Matthew Barzell, you know, you're going to have to show Matthew Barzell uh, the, the vision for the team. Um, and and I, I, I don't think you're wrong that, that Matthew Barzell is craving a scoring winger. Um, but, you know, uh, like I said, uh, uh, I also asked him today, we were talking on the Zoom about him coming back to Seattle. He played junior hockey for the Seattle Thunderbirds. He grew up north of the border here, just outside Vancouver. Um, I asked him for the differences between the East Coast and the West Coast, and uh, he said he likes the East Coast fine. He's really come to appreciate it. Um, you know, if, if you throw $10 million a year at Matthew Barzell or $8.5 million, you know, money talks, the facilities are good. Um, I, I certainly can see Matthew Barzell signing a long-term deal here when this uh, three-year, $21 million deal is up. But I, I also agree with them that the, the Islanders are going to have to, you know, prove to Barzell that there is a plan and, and they're not just going to be at this, you know, just shy of a Stanley Cup winner or, or worse this season, not a playoff team. So, uh Let's see, uh, Leo Komarov was the engine, says, uh, oh, when does Islanders' ownership begin to pressure 
Uh, Lou Lamarillo and his future plans transition to next GM has to be addressed, and Chris Lamarillo cannot be the answer. No sure way to torpedo all the recent professionalism brought to the organization than to engage in nepotism. Um, what, my, my question, I guess, back would be, why does Islanders ownership have to pressure uh, Lamarillo on his future plans. I, I think Lou is going to be... Uh, the Islanders' ownership is very happy with Lou Lamarillo and the role he is in, and I think the understanding is that as long as Lou feels he can do the job, he's going to do the job. Um, and I also, knowing Lou, as soon as he feels he can't do the job, he'll be the first to tell people he can't do the job. So I, I, I don't see it as Islanders' ownership having to pressure Lou for an answer right now. Um, I, I, I don't, you know... Look, the transition to the next GM, you, you can have, you know... And, and like I said, I, I do think Chris Lamarillo is probably the favorite in the clubhouse, but any good organization will have a list together of potential candidates... Uh, just in case, and I'm sure the Islanders do. Um, but that list can be very transient. You know, uh, suppose Jeff Gordon was on that list and the Canadians got him first, you know, uh, just to use an example. So I'm sure there is some kind of plan someplace. Um, but, you know, as far as pressuring... Lou for an answer on whether he wants to do the job one more year, two more years, three more years. I, I, I don't see that as being the scenario for ownership. Um, Claudia says, what is the Islanders' view on Bodie Wild? Is he still part of the plans here? And can you give us your thoughts about Bulldog and Skurek down on the farm? Um, I think the Islanders' view on Bodie Wild is probably pretty dim uh, right now, uh, Brian Compton uh, from NHL.com was telling me uh, Bodie Wild was on uh, Instagram the other day, um, again, uh, you know, speaking up against the, the COVID vaccines. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting into a political discussion. Uh, whatever your views on vaccines are, that's what they are. Um, I've gotten three shots and I'm thrilled to have gotten three shots. And if they want to give me a fourth shot, I'll get a fourth shot. But, you know, that's me. You know, I take care of myself and you can take care of yourself. And, you know, that way everyone can be friendly. But I, I, I know, as we all know, that the Islanders and Lou Lamorello's reaction when Bodie Wild would not get a vaccine, uh, that's why he is loaned out to Europe. Um, and if he is still spouting uh, off uh, as an anti-vaxxer, uh, then I, I don't see, you know, Lou changing his view on Bodie Wild. Now, you know, look, you know, things could be different come September, and maybe whether you're vaxxed or not is no longer, you know, as significant to the organization, but... I, I, I'm not convinced we get there by September, and uh, I'm not convinced Bodie Wild has a future in the organization uh, as a result. Um, 
my thoughts on Bullduck and Skerek down on the farm. I haven't gotten down to Bridgeport uh, to see a game, uh, just reports. Uh, you know, Skerek was obviously uh, the AHL goalie of uh, of the month in January, and then he was hurt for a little bit. He just came back, uh, I believe, this week. Um, I, I do not believe uh, the Islanders believe uh, that Jakub Skarek is ready to step into a a full-time NHL role. And when I say full-time NHL role, I would mean as Ilya Sorokin's backup, and this would probably mean Semyon Varlamov being traded. I, I think they want to give Skarek probably at least another year down in Bridgeport. Um, that That's my belief in Bolduck. He's a big part of the future. He's a big boy. Um, but he is a, a big part of the future. I would imagine you're going to have some openings on defense uh, uh, next season. Now, you're going to have some issues lefty-righty, and, and that may preclude Bolduck from getting a chance uh, early next season. But, you know, they, they could use his size. They could use his shot for sure. So uh, I, I'm... I'm 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 excited to see what Samuel Bolduck uh, and and Jakub Skarek will do uh, in the future. I I just at least for Skarek, I'm not sure that that future is next season in the NHL, and I couldn't really give you an accurate scouting report on whether Bolduck, uh, you know, he looked good in training camp this season, and if he builds on that, maybe he uh, can make a push next training camp. But, uh, you know, I think Salo is a little bit ahead of him. Um, and we'll finish up with one that, unfortunately, I, I don't have the answer for, but I don't want him to think I'm ignoring him. Uh, Scott says, just curious, what is phase two and phase three of UBS arena plan and when will it start? And, you know, when the building opened, there was still some behind the scenes construction uh, that needed to get finished up, and I have, you know, I don't know whether they finished it or not, but in, you know, the areas that I'm in, everything looks finished now. Um, as far as phase two and phase three, obviously, you're talking about, you know, getting that garage across the street open, um, and I, I believe that's going to happen this calendar year. Maybe don't quote me on that, but that was my understanding, uh, that that's what they were pushing for. Um, and then phase three, if we're, we're talking about that, that's, you know, the hotels and the retail. And when I talked to Gary Bettman, um, at the ribbon cutting ceremony on November 19th, I asked him, you know, when when does the All-Star game come to UBS Arena? Or, you know, not even if, but when. It's a new arena. It, it should be getting an All-Star game. It should be getting the NHL draft. And, and Gary said that that is all tied into getting the hotels built and, and, and more hotel space there. And he really, uh, <laughs> talking to Gary, it did not seem like that was going to be a right around the corner uh, type of thing, so uh, not exactly sure when phase three, you know, phase two to phase three is going to be completed. But we're 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 talking about years, not months, uh, I believe. And uh, with that, um, 
that is all that I have gotten from you guys. And I, I really appreciate everyone checking in and listening. We'll, we'll be back uh, the next episode. I'm, I'm hoping to uh, uh, bring in a guest uh, and get that kind of dialogue going. But until then, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday. And you can find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. You can find everything on the Islanders that Newsday produces at newsday.com backslash Isles. And I will be on the road through March 2nd, through Colorado. Uh, and we'll see, you know, it, it again, like I said, this is, uh, we, we can naysay the Islanders all we want. That's our jobs. And it's now their jobs to prove us wrong. And the next time uh, we check back with each other, we'll have a better idea of whether the Islanders are proving us wrong or not. And until uh, the next episode, please be safe, everybody. Stay healthy and happy hockey, everybody.